Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Welcome back everyone to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint, here with my dear compadre, Julian Taylor. Good to be with you. For many of you who don't know, we've been together for the last week. Um, I'm back in the States now, but it was really that, I was, I was trying to build that climactic scene of Jules and then I blew it. Yeah, that's okay. It's great though. It's all good. How are things after my departure? You had a big weekend, which well played. Side note. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I was um, on my first stag stag do in a long, long time, and I played my wild card um, because it was Caroline's birthday. So um, she thought I was going to be away on the stag do, so I did half the stag do. And then came home and surprised her. So I never asked though, was she, was the response, hello, Jules, or was it, oh, I should have asked. No, no, it was positive. Well, it was positive after she'd got the shock of walking down the drive in the dark and thinking there was a burglar in the house because the lights were on and, and she could see this shadowy person walking around in her house and she didn't think anyone was there. So, so once she got over the shock of thinking we've got burglars, she she looked she did look quite pleased to see me, but she did suggest to me that actually it was more me bailing out of the stag do rather than coming home to surprise her. So I will leave that up to our listeners to make their own mind up on that one. Potatoes, potatoes, you know, it's one of those. It's it, it is what it is. Well, that's good. We had a we had a good um, good week last week. You knew that for many of you, um, we were in Edinburgh for a presentation some meetings and then we did some other uh two bald guys things from a i guess marketing standpoint stay tuned and just had a good time we also got to play the old course but before i get into that this week here in the states it's thanksgiving at thanksgiving we always do something that I'm going to say we, I guess everybody, I don't know if everybody does or not, but you know what, what we're going to do, our our tradition is to say something we're thankful for, Jules. I'll let you start. I've got loads of things I'm thankful for, Langdon. Obviously, but at, at the present moment, and it may be a couple of things. Obviously, looking at you, friendship is, is something I'm thankful for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm thankful for family. Um, and I suppose this week, what I've got to say is I'm thankful for is, both my my kids. I've, one of my good friends said, "Your job as a parent is to is to train your kids to leave home," um, and I've done that really, really successfully because one's in Sydney, Australia, and one's in Bogota, Colombia. Um, but actually, my eldest daughter, who is living in Colombia for three years, is coming home at the weekend um, for a week. So that's what I'm thankful for at the moment. I'm going to get to spend some time with, with my number one daughter, as in as in oldest, not my favourite. Okay. <laughs> I was just making sure. I was going to say, man, Jules, I don't know you'd actually verbally say that. No, no, we 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 they do have arguments all the time about who's the favourite, and I say neither of you. <laughs> just just making sure. If I said that, I would one of them would pick up on it very fast. So I I can imagine. Well, that's good. How about you? Yeah, the the same, honestly. Our friendship, I think, um, you know, last week we got to spend a wonderful time together. 
We got to share the old course experience together. It was cold. It was windy. It was rainy. It was flooded, but our friendship was as warm and strong as possible in the midst of that freezing temperatures. So that's, I've really enjoyed what we've done the last couple of years. Um, so yes, our friendship, Jules, and then family, you know, it's, this is a, it's a fun time. It's something that I, I feel like this whole, you know, as we get into the, all the holidays that we have with Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas, whatever everyone is uh, celebrating, you start putting everything together, the new year. And it's a, I don't know, it's just a, it's a fun time. And it's something that we all, I, you know, Lindsay, myself and the girls, we always try to keep in mind that, Hey, that's all the time. But, you know, as added focus gets put on it, it's easier to do it. So being able to spend time, my whole family is coming here later today. My brother, his kids, my parents. So yeah, it's the madhouse will begin soon. So I'll, I'll say thankful for that. Um, being able to be together. Yeah. I do have to just quickly point out to, to our listeners that um, you're from Tennessee where the, the temperatures are somewhat warmer than, than the UK. And, and I have to say that you thought it was freezing cold and horrendous. I, it felt like a balmy spring day to me, but. Um... That's, you're, you're, you're telling a lie through those teeth. You know, it was funny though. It was, it could have been worse. Don't get me. I mean, it was far, far worse. Yes. Yeah. The honestly, the worst part about it was hitting it off a mat, hitting a golf ball off a mat that is this big that I didn't even know they did was that's the home of golf. And you would have thought they would have come up with something better than that. Guarantee you, Tom Morris did not hit a ball off a mat in the wintertime. I do have to point out it was so bad that Langdon only went round in five over. So for those who like golf, they, they will understand that. So, but it was great. It was a great, we had a great romantic tour of Scotland, didn't we last week, which was great. So we did Glasgow, Edinburgh, St. Andrews. Yeah. Um, and back to Edinburgh. So it was, a, then, yeah, it was quite the tour, but it was good. But what we, so we, our, um, she likes to stay behind the scenes, but the brain trust, well, I'll say brain trust, I guess is all the brain child of the, the group, Marissa, she came up with the idea of maybe we should do a podcast on what we spoke about. And Jules and I typically are kind of like, well, I don't know how that's going to fly. But I think in principle, I, I think we've had a good discussion on how we can um, how we can transition it. And it's it's hitting on a lot of things that we've talked about, per, especially over the last year. But and it's just kind of that evolution of of transitioning health and safety, meaning we've been stuck in, you know, and there's a lot of things we could take this conversation. There are a lot of areas where we could really have expanded on it, but straight from in honestly to in a simplistic mindset, what have we typically seen with health and safety? How can we, what is it, what does it look like? How is it perceived in organizations? What do we typically think about when we think of health and safety? And then how do we evolve that to actually making it ingrained, you know, whether it's safe operations, whether it's embedding health and safety and everything, whatever you want to call it outside of safety culture. It's really how, what does that transition look like and how can we, how can we make that better? And, and don't get me wrong. This is not a, it's not a surefire answer. It's, but I think it's hopefully some, some tips that we've seen and some things that 
that we see when we work with organizations of how they have either successfully transitioned or how they're continuing on their journey. So that's that's the premise of what we're going to talk about uh, over the next few minutes. And I'm going to let Jules start off. He he likes to start off with a question. Now, Valid, we won't be able to get any responses. I think it's still a viable, good start. Well, I think I think it's a good question to ask yourself. And I've got to I've got to preface this by saying that I stole this question. Um, actually, I actually heard I heard a lawyer ask this question. It's a it's a while ago now um, at, at an IOS conference. Um, and whilst I'm not a fan of lawyers, I think it's a great question. Um, and and um, the question was, when, when in, in the last 12 months, have you seen the job stopped because somebody raised a safety concern? And it was interesting, wasn't it, in, in the audience in Edinburgh, maybe 25%, if you're lucky, raised their hands to say that they'd, they'd observed that. So you can kind of stop and reflect on that in terms of, Okay, were there no safety issues? So that's why people weren't raising their hands or stopping the job. Um, or do we still have a challenge around the culture in organizations that people feel comfortable to say stop? Yeah. Um, is there still that com- discomfort around stopping the job? Or I don't know whether it's worse, but a lack of understanding around actually what is a safety concern to say, actually, I need to raise my hand about this. So, so to me, that question, it, we, we've asked it a lot. We've asked that question a lot, haven't we Langdon? And, and I, and I, and I think I'm going to keep asking it until I'm getting kind of at least three quarters or, or up of, of hands going up in the room, because I think as long as you're asking that question and people aren't putting their hands up, it, it's kind of telling us as safety professionals that we've still got a job of work to do. Well, and I think it's funny because we always, you know, you think of stop work, it's pretty old school. I mean, meaning of being able to. And I, I know I was trying, when you said that yesterday, I was trying to remember how many, it seemed like you had some people that were straight up and then you had some that were kind of, which I don't know what this means. You know, is this the, please don't call on me or is this the, eh, maybe, you know, whatever. Sorry, everyone, I'm putting my hand maybe maybe at my shoulder level. Um, so the little half raises that you're used to doing back when you were in school, not wanting to be called on. And don't, don't forget the psychology of an audience here, Langdon, that actually a lot of people will look around and see, right, what's everyone else doing? I'll follow the crowd here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's very true. And I think it's, it's something that I, I feel like we struggle with sometimes because we have these discussions, we have good discussions. We work with a lot of, you know, we spread the gamut of, organization sizes, organization maturity. And I feel like sometimes some of our discussions that we have, I'm not taking away. I think they're really good. I'm, I know I'm going off kilter here, <laughs> but sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to make change. We talk about these good philosophies, these good practices that are in place, human performance, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, yada, yada. A lot of organizations aren't even near that point. If you're in an, an audience and we had, I, I'm going to spitball numbers. The room was full. Uh, people were standing around. We're very, very blessed, fortunate from that standpoint. I don't know, hundred, hundred plus in the room, I think that day. And you think, and these were organizations of all sizes, you know, very large organizations in the UK, broader, 
you know, half of them put their hand up to that. Now, is that because they haven't had the occurrence or the need for, for a stop work? Or is that because they feel like they maybe are not at that point? And I think all of it plays into what is the perception of health and safety within an organization? Because if you don't, if you don't watch out, you get so caught up in trying to, how can we change our culture? How can we implement better change management? When some people are just trying to figure out, well, crap, right now, health and safety is perceived in our organization as my, you know, maybe it's my uh, regulatory or my regulation book over. It's a thousand pages. It's my checkbox exercises. Well, I got to do what I have to do to get the job done, period. Instead of it being a proactive, what does health and safety truly mean? And I, I think that to me is something we get really caught up in. Um, it's how do we perceive it versus what is it actually, you know, within our organizations? That's a struggle. You've got that slide that you put together. Um, and I hate to say this because you're. I hate to stroke your ego, but it's a great slide because it's just four simple pictures. And, and and the first picture is just a a classic A4 folder with health and safety down the spine of it. Um, is that the perception of health and safety in your organization, that it's it's just a safety it's a, cop? It's, it's safety cops here with the folder, with lots of, of documents that you've got to understand. Um, and it's a dry and it's a boring subject. Yeah, um, that's the perception of safety. That's going to instantly reflect in terms of the way people behave and do they stick their hand up to things. Um, and then you've you've got sort of what are the other pictures we've got on there, Langdon. We've got a picture of a group of people stood around talking about uh, 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 some documentation. Yeah, um, which you could read that picture multiple ways, couldn't you? That that you're very process driven or actually it is a team thing. It's about before you start work, actually the team talking about how we're going to do this and how we're going to do it safely. Yeah. Well, and I think to me it all, it comes back to, you know, a lot of those images. And I honestly, I mean, you know, put there's a drone, you know, so that's very proactive, but it just goes to also kind of alluding to, we get caught up in, tools in place, things in place, you know, making sure, you know, our check boxes are in place, but is that, which all then kind of leads to the zero, you know, you remember, I, and that seems like that's not as big or as talked about as it was, but you know, zero was like the thing. Hey, we have zero incidents. We've had hundred million man hours without an incident. And that's fantastic. I'm not negating that if, if that happened, but that was like the culmination and, you know, and, and it kind of alludes to that other slide we put together where we talk about it. And I love that picture. I wish, you know, maybe we can show it up, but, but it's just that thought of, well, okay, fine. If nothing adverse happens, so there's no, there's no incident, there's maybe no injury, whatever. Does that still mean it's safe? Does that still mean it's healthy? You know, how many, how many times have we had close calls and does that mean we were safe? You know, now the big thing is all these airlines talking about close calls they're having, whether it's landing, I mean, seconds away from disaster. Okay. Is that healthy and safe? Just because nothing, you know, came to fruition in a negative light. And I, that's the big question. I think 
we start trying to consider. What does that really mean? What does it look like? So, okay, we haven't had any incidents. We have zero incidents. Are we really healthy and safe? We've got it so much in the workplace, haven't we, where we've got those instances where people are getting away with it, but but one day it's going to go wrong, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, today I was working outside, like, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, and I wasn't cutting or anything like that. I'd actually, I had the blower out and I wasn't doing a lot. I just had a little bit. I was like, I need to get this out right quick. I didn't throw on glasses. You know, it wasn't terribly windy. I mean, very small, little bitty piece of wood somehow got into my eye. And I was kind of like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, I ran in and got some lukewarm water. I just flushed, flushed, flushed. Miraculously, it came out. But that right there, that's a perfect example of nothing adverse happened, thank goodness. But was I healthy and safe? No. How many, just on a side note, though, how many safety people? spend the whole week at the, in, in the workplace banging the drum about safety and then go home and do stupid things when they get Stop. home. <laughs> Just occasionally. <laughs> but that, that goes to the point of what we talk about, right? It's we're, and I think all workers are like this. We're as safe as we need to be. I'm not going to say have to be. We're, we're as safe as we feel like we need to be without being too safe in order to still be able to do the job as fast or whatever as we need to. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Just, just just quickly, you were talking about the race to zero and um, it's it's funny. I was, I was talking to a friend of the pod on a bike ride the other morning. So it's a friend of mine who I, who I go out cycling with and, and he listens to the pod and uh, we were talking about KPIs and, and, and it is a fine balance, isn't it? Sometimes in terms of, Okay, do we want we want to achieve performance against a number, but actually by setting that number, do we then have an adverse effect in terms of the behaviour of the people because they want to hit the number? It's a real, it's a fine line sometimes, isn't it? And and sort of the zero incident ones is the classic case, isn't it? Where very rarely is an organisation going to have zero incidents. So actually, if they are showing zero. Are people covering stuff up? Are they hiding stuff because they're worried? Again, there's that worry, that cultural thing around. I, I don't want to be the person who actually screws it up. So we've got to go and change all those signs that we've got out there. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's you know, and I think that's where it boils down to the culture. And you know, not trying again to talk about what we did what I said a few minutes ago, but. But it does, right? You know, we get into the maturity, and I know we've we've discussed maturity on here before. We've done webinars about it. But it, it an organization, it doesn't matter if there is 20 people or if there's 10,000 people. If you're still rooted in wanting to improve, you're still rooted in being proactive, I think you'll start seeing that, you know, size doesn't matter because it's about what type of culture, what type of people you you bring in and then what are we going to try to do with those people? And, you know, I know we, we talk about that research that national safety council did a few years ago and we kind of hit it on different aspects, but you know, whether it is the leadership or the you know, health and safety on off the job, that total worker health, you know, 
um, what is it? Performance measurement, uh, organizational something uh, initiatives, and then integrated systems. I think those are the five that they were Great able to job I'll put it on my other screen so I could just oh, read look it. Look at you. If, if, if I'm on it, there we go. But, you know, and we can kind of explore those. But I think really and truly, you could boil down everything into each one of those that works within an organization, not just health and safety related, but whatever. And to me, that's it, right? It's if, if you have an organization that wants to improve, that wants to be proactive, let's just use that term, wants to learn of, of anything, you start seeing each one of those have to be really pertinent and have to be utilized. I think it, it, it had a bit of a light bulb moment around maturity model last week, which is just just when we, when you were talking about it, which was it, it, it can be kind of seen as this academic thing, can't it? This this academic tool that people use in presentations, and actually, absolutely, what it should be is this self reflective tool, and not just for you as a health and safety professional, but actually get people across your organization thinking about where are we and actually how do we start to to move ourselves up up the way in terms of that maturity model um and 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 that can be shop floor it can be supervisory it can be senior leadership but actually just use it as this self-reflective tool that says gets everybody thinking right okay what can i do to contribute to actually moving us up to the next step um and then I suppose the other question, which we might leave unanswered here, but we'll throw it out there, is can you ever truly achieve excellence? Do you ever want to truly achieve excellence? And that might sound crazy, but but actually the danger is if we think we're excellent, we stop trying to improve. Yeah. Um, so actually almost excellence should be the unicorn that we we can never quite find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what I, I love about it because I remember when – when I first, when we made one, and this has been years ago, it was just a four quadrant. I remember showing you when I first came, I don't know if you recall, and I transitioned it towards the end when I was still at my old job. And then when we came here, we kind of, we really made it, I think, a little more proactive journey-like, if you will. But that's it to me. That's the most crucial piece of what you just said was what you have to be very introspective and think what is my organization and it's what it's probably three sitting here looking at my fingers like i'm one two three you have to be there's a few different areas you have to be yourself very introspective and contemplate okay what does where are we in an organization from a health and safety me as a professional standpoint where are we with the employees So maybe it's four, actually. Where are we with the employees? Where do we think they are from a health and safety perspective? Where's leadership? And then kind of that culmination is now, where are we all together? Because what happens if I'm a very proactive, feel like I'm a pretty good health and safety professional, my employees are proactive, but my leadership is not. That means the whole workplace probably isn't or vice versa, you know, whatever. And I think that's the most important thing because there's a lot of maturity models, right? There's not, ours isn't anything groundbreaking, but it's, it's just about that. And we've put a lot into it as far as what does each step look like? How can you improve? What are things you can do to move to the next? But it's about that looking and thinking, okay, what does, 
what is my organization from each piece to to the culmination of it and just like to what you said you know we used to get questions all the time what's the difference between proactive and excellence <laughs> nothing i mean realistically excellence is just you're constantly trying and you're probably not going to stay there that's why i love that i mean i think it's it is very telling and can help i think i was going to say one other thing we did talk about yes last week was my my new analogy i came up with a new analogy which was um which was my analogy for safety culture, which is safety culture is, is like the unicorn of safety, isn't it? It's this mythical beast that you can never quite find. Um, and, 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 and again, that was a key part of what we were talking about was, was stop trying to stop trying to generate or create a safety culture because you never, it, it never really truly works. Um, and and it all comes back to something we've talked about quite often on the pod before, which is focus on actually creating one good culture, and that will then drive better safety behaviours. Um, the danger of trying to create a safety culture on its own is that inherently the prevailing business culture will override it in in the wrong circumstances. So, and, and one of the things we were talking about was um was was the survey that 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 langdon talked about a moment ago which was talking about the different things that actually create a culture um and one of the really simple things that will make the business culture override the safety culture is the behaviors of leadership um and and that can be very subtle stuff it can be almost unconscious stuff that 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 happens so if leadership has a particular metric that they focus on and they keep banging on about that metric. So if it's in a manufacturing organization, it's production, 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 production at all costs. People don't maliciously then stop doing things in a safe way. They do it in an unconscious way because their focus has been moved to, it's all about getting stuff out the door. It's all about production. Um, so they inherently start to do things where they cut corners to make sure that they hit the production numbers that they're being asked for. So some of the things that we can do as safety professionals can be really subtle. We can just get leadership, for example, to think about the language that they use. Yeah. So, um, so actually when they talk about things, they talk about, right, safe production. Let's talk about our safe produ production objectives for this week. Yeah. And then just subtly, that subtle change of the addition of one word just gets people to think about it slightly differently, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Um, so I do, I do love that survey and, and culture's right at the center of it. It's all about how do we generate culture, but it's one culture. It's not safety culture. It's not business culture. It's just one culture. Yeah. And, and you know, we boiled, we kind of boiled a lot down to, you know, and it, typically we like when we think about the maturity, it's there's a lot into that, how you view an incident, how you view near miss, you know, where where do you spot it? And I love that it started off with a it was a rusty lifting gear and we've come up with different scenarios. But I think all that really ties back to whether you're whether you're being pre conducting pre incident investigations, whether you're being proactive just on your risk assessments, creating actions and then rectifying, the, you know, whatever it is. It boils down to something that literally 
I mean, this is fresh off the press. Just came to me right now. CC. Boom. Yeah, this is not CC's pizza. CC, Jules. This is what it comes down to. Commitment, introspection, camaraderie, continual improvement. CC's. That's what it boils down to. It's this you just better, you better get that trademark because somebody's gonna steal that one off you, buddy. I know this I mean, literally right now, this just came to me first time. But it and I think that's everything, right? It and I hope I hope we're not being because I, I do want that's something I know you and I've been talking about lately, and I I do want to stress, you know, we, it's easy to get so caught up when you think of organizations are like, hey, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to ensure that we are meeting the regulations. And that's fine. That, that's great. You know, we don't even have the budget to hire a safety professional. That's okay. But it's, it, you can still show CC there, right? You can, meaning you can, you, you can still be, and this is what it boils down to, committed, committed to wanting to keep the, and I'm going to go bare bones here, committed to wanting to make the workplace healthy and safe to wanting to ensure that you're you're doing what you need to to have your people safe. You can be introspective, which means as a leadership, especially in those small organizations, right? They're the ones that leadership is going to have to be a spur or you find some change, man change management champion, frontline worker that kind of spurs that thought. They're going to have to establish camaraderie throughout and then ultimately decide what type of improvement do we want to make? How do we want to get better? And even if it is that we don't have budget for a safe professional, what can we do to be better? If you show those four things, I think you're going to start seeing you don't have to have a safety professional, right? If, if you have someone that you can at least put over that to ensure that we're checking, we're making sure everything's getting, and then you start thinking, okay, how can we continue being better? To me, it, it really does. It, it, we can boil a lot into that specific kind of phraseology, if you will, and it starts making health and safety. It, and that's what we're trying to do, right? Making it ingrained. I've got a vision. I've I've got a vision of some two bald guys talking safety swag, a t-shirt with CC and big letters across the front of it. There you I'm go. I'm just saying, you know, it's. I, I, for those listening, we had a certain number we were supposed to get to start getting swag. And, and we've, I hit, say we've hit that we've, number. We've hit that number. Yeah. Um, so you've got CC and I've got Witham, which <laughs> really confused the hell out of you yesterday, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. I so, did not remember that at all. Yeah. So what's in it for me, which was another thing we talked about, was actually, again, if we're going to drive that engagement, and and we tend to think what's in it for me. We tend to think about that as shop floor, but actually it's everybody in your organization. Yeah. What what's the value for them of 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 doing health and safety? Um and if you can approach it with that mindset of being able to get people to understand the value to them, they're just more likely to do it. Yeah. Um and and, and we often we often forget to talk about that. We just talk about how we're going to do something, but not why we're going to do something. So I think the why is a really important thing to be thinking about with, with, with everybody in your organization, whether it's senior leadership or whether it's other people across different teams and different departments. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I think that's great because it, 
even even to that, sometimes we come up with such principle focus. We we get so caught up in the principles that we don't think about what are some granular things that we can actually do to get better. You know, when we talk engagement and you know yada yada, and I, to me, engagement is crucial because that's kind of what can fundamentally start changing things. You know, if if you have a cold quote unquote cold, uh, not like cold, but like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying a cold workplace where people don't want to talk or, you know, speak, are you going to, is it usually going to be a open environment to wanting to be better with or proactive in anything? No. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah. So the more engagement we can get with our workforce and, when I say engagement, I, there's one thing, and I, I know I've told you this, that friend of mine who's an industrial hygienist who, you know, we, we went to church together, grew up, I, I was friends with his children. And, you know, I think a lot of him don't, hopefully he doesn't listen. I don't want him to know that. But one thing he could do, it was amazing. He was the type, he might not even see that, you know, he would do annual sampling once a year, but he would walk around and he would actually remember things and he would just cut up with them, just talking to him. How's it going, Bobby? You know, just I think little things like that actually start showing, you know, they show you care. If, you know, if I walk up to you and I'm just Mr. Taylor and I just keep walking versus Joel's, how are you? How's fam? You know, everything good. Even if I don't know them, it, it's that warm engaging. And I think, you know, a lot that we have a Gallup poll we talk about, we show how engagement kind of really can, you know, check a lot of boxes, meaning, better productivity, better health and safety, yada, yada. But I think that is something that we really, anyone can do. Even if it's out of your comfort zone, just kind of being a little more conversational. And I think you're going to start seeing some things. Now, don't get me wrong. If if you don't have any regulatory understanding, okay, we still have to, <laughs> we got to get to that. But I think you'll start seeing the dial shift. And that's what we're trying, right? That's what we're trying to do. Sometimes it's really simple stuff, Langdon, isn't it? It's it's just what what do we want as human beings? And actually, sometimes it's that recognition, it's that that social interaction, and 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 the best thing any any leader or manager can do is just go and talk to people. Yeah, just go and talk to them because um, it builds relationships, doesn't it? And the more you do it, it's interesting. We've, we've been talking about feedback within our organisation. The danger is. As soon as you hear the word feedback, what instantly comes into your head? It's going to be negative, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. So, so actually, what you've got to do is have a mindset shift where, actually, no, I just, I just give feedback all the time, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. But actually, if you've given people positive feedback, they're far more open and receptive to developmental feedback in 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 the longer term um but but it's to me it's just really simple go and talk to people yeah we we've we've created this world haven't we with these amazing communication devices that means nobody talks to anybody anymore we send messages and we send whatsapps and texts and b r b l o l yeah yeah I, yeah i'm i'm going to avoid the acronyms cuz i'll get them wrong um but but it's that just just got b o just go and talk to people. Yeah. Um, you're trying to send me a message there. I know we spent no, some time no, no, no. last I was week. Just giving another yeah. acronym. <laughs> but no, I think, I, I do think you're right though, because it, 
it's just that simplistic. I mean, we always talk about kiss, but it is, it's a lot of just be open, be easy, understand that, you know, when we want to make things better, sometimes it's just marginal gains. It's really small things of trying to shift the conversation. Right. I went on a, I was away the week before we, we, we were together. I was away and working with our, our partner charity um, with a bunch of 10 and 11 year olds. And I was, I, th- I thought they're not going to understand marginal gains here. So I'm going to try and explain this as how do you eat an elephant? Um, and, and how do you eat an elephant Langdon? Same way you eat a peanut one bite at a time, one bite at a time. Yeah. Um, and again, that's a great approach to safety, isn't it? Is don't try to change the world. Yeah. Don't try to change the world cause you're going to fail. But actually what you can do is say we're going to do these little things and we'll keep doing more of those little things. And that's what gradually changes the world over time. Yeah. Well, I, I think then what kind of culminates, hopefully everything we've talked about to another question, I'll set a preface and I'll let you ask it. But, you know, I don't want to give Todd all the credit, but if you go back, listen to our podcast with um, Todd Home, you'll you'll hear him kind of discuss this. And I think it's something that we've also principally we've talked about, but for some reason, again, I don't want to give too much credit, but when he said it and he and I've talked about it, you know, when you really think about all that, I've kind of been digesting and really thinking what it means. I think we undercut this a lot and it's something that we really need to ask and think about. And this is what can help us. You know, we start off with stops, stop work. This is kind of that beginning front. You want to ask it? I'll let you ask it. No, I'm going to let you ask it. Oh, oh, thank you. You know, we, we do stop work, but how often do we truly start when safe? And I think that is something that's, it's pretty, it's pretty impactful when you really think about, you know, typically we always, oh, well, we have our pre-job briefings. We, I go through my JHA. I'm good. Have all my PPE. But are we really starting when safe? Meaning, Okay, I understand 100% what this job entails. I understand what controls are in place, what emergency procedures. I know the SOP, the standard operating procedure for this job. I understand. I'm truly beginning this job when safe. And I think a lot of times we, yeah, I'm good. I understand where my errors can be cut instead of anything that could be or could go wrong or anything adverse that could happen has been identified. I'm cognizant of that and I'm ready to do the job. I think those are honestly, they're two different. I think they're two different thoughts that when an organization and its employees can do that, I I think you've, you know, you've gotten started on a, on a good path. And it, and it might be a a case of that sort of, I can't remember the, what's, what's the process, but sort of moving from sort of, conscious competency through to unconscious competency um with this that actually it might be something that we need people to think about very consciously to start with but then it becomes like driving a car where we're we're unconsciously competent where we just do it without thinking about it Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but still aware of still aware of it yeah i mean that's the yeah 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 i think just to wrap up i suppose the last the last slide in in the deck that we used last week really 
wrap, wraps it together, doesn't it? Because it talks about quality, it talks about production, and it talks about safety. And and really, what it, what it's saying is that any successful organisation, those three things need they're not they're not separate from one another. They all they all link into one another. Um, so it, it's really important to recognise what's the value of safety. Well, the value of safety is actually it has a, a definite effect on 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 your production levels but also on on the on the quality of of what it is that you do or produce um and and the more you can create that safe workplace you get people who are more competent and more effective in terms of the job that they do yeah i 100 percent agree jules good job buddy well um, done yeah, Marissa came up with this as an idea. I think it's worked. I think it's, I think it's been an interesting conversation. Put it in the comments below, um, as they say, and I'll, I'll let you sign us out, buddy. Yeah. Well, for everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it. And as you go about your days, especially this time of year, hopefully all your frying of turkeys is done in a safe manner because it can be very tumultuous dropping a turkey in a hot frying thing of water over some oil so um, however you're doing it everyone stay safe watch each other's back out there and have a happy holiday season of all the holidays that we are approaching yeah and how do you eat your turkey one bite at a time one bite at a time everyone really appreciate you tuning into this episode of two bald guys talking safety Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days and about your normal lives, Stay safe out there and watch each other's back. <laughs>